This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, this is Garrett Wong. I played Ensign Harry Kim on Voyager, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we are looking at The Third X-File by Cliff Bowl, part four overall in our series, which is the episode from season seven entitled Chimera. This is kind of an interesting one in the overall uh, four X-File arc here because it's almost certainly the most typical X-Files episode, quote-unquote, in the sort of traditional sense. It's not a comedy. The form isn't isn't changed in right. some fundamental way. Yeah. Right. It, it's basically a monster of the week show. Yes. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's also kind of atypical in that it's not really a monster. I guess so. But, I mean, you, you know what I mean. I mean, monster or whatever, alien, whatever it is, you know, depending on the thing. Now, this is also the only one which wasn't written by Vince Gilligan. Yeah. It was written by David Aman, who was on staff for a number of years, I think. I'm not really too familiar with the other things that he had written, but uh, it kind of shows. Do you want to give sort of a description of, of what Chimera was? Well, the long and short of it is that there's a murder in in, in a small neighborhood, and uh, Mulder and Scully go to investigate it because there's something fishy about it. And Crows, or Raven, was involved, and it was sort of uh, weird and creepy. So they investigate, and there's a broken mirror, and it's one murder, and then another person is killed, and then there's another broken mirror, and another sighting of a crow. And so Mulder believes that there's some sort of like supernatural force killing people in this area, and they investigate that for a while. And uh, they find, essentially find nothing. For a long period of time. And they do discover that the people who have been killed are essentially involved in, in you know, this woman being cheated on by her husband. Eventually, like, the, the evidence leads them back to the wife. And they discover that it, it is, in fact, the wife killing these people. And um, she broke the mirrors because she freaked herself out when she saw herself. Because she, she was looked really scary. She was, like, possessed or something like that. But she wasn't possessed. Okay. She wasn't a supernatural force of any kind. She just had a second personality. And she would put that personality on the way that you put on a costume. Mm-hmm. And so the murders were not supernatural. It was just one woman going crazy. And the the revelation is that is is the idea that Mulder figures out that oh my god there is no supernatural force it's just that woman who's crazy she's killing people well but i mean does is that really because i thought that she did have like she did change her appearance she changes her appearance but there's no like actual supernatural cause she does things to her appearance okay she she reshapes herself into something else using conventional human means like is it makeup really? dirt 
paint. Oh, okay. I, I thought I, I got the impression that there was still like a supernatural element to there's, that. There's, there's, there's no evidence of that. And there's plenty of evidence that she just isn't aware that she's doing this. And mm-hmm. when you see the actual alternative form, there's nothing else going on there. It's just a person covered in junk and gunk. Yeah. But like the way that the mirrors break and everything, it seems supernatural in nature. Well, we don't really see like the mirrors breaking in a normal way. Yeah. We see like them, we see close-ups. We see things breaking like without really understanding the context. Yeah. Okay. Like you could argue that, that something else is going on, but it's really that one person doing it. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to make it make sense because she does seem to be astonishingly good at making herself look radically different in a very short period of time. Well, yeah, maybe you'd have to invoke it there, but it's really not necessary to explain the story. Which makes it one of the X-Files episodes that might not have a supernatural element, mm-hmm. which there are actually quite a few of. There's eventually basically like one and maybe two a season. Yeah, I wish I wish there were more at the beginning of season six, you know, when they were off of the X-Files for a while there. that that's That would have made sense to me. Um, or at the very least, uh, not do things where it's like, we're investigating a normal case. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh, look at that. There's a supernatural element. It's like, what are the odds? You know, that happened all the freaking time in season six. And the other thing that they do, which, which bothers me, like with Scully's dad and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, there's a weird paranormal thing going on in our own personal lives, which is unrelated to our cases on the X-Files. Wow, that's convenient. Well, yeah. It's a little convenient that they find so many supernatural cases, period. But, I mean, if you're assigned to the X-Files and you're like, okay, this looks... If you're seeking them out... These are, but Fine. these are these are FBI cases. I mean, like there's there's like a, like a wall of cabinets, and every time that they go invest investigate something, it's like it happened that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. they're I never mean, going to cold cases. But that's fine. But there's a difference between seeking them out and finding them, and yeah. uh, you know, not seeking them out and having them just show up. You know, see, just I, fall in your lap. You see, I kind of feel the other way around about being off the X Files. If you're off the X Files, they should have. Like it should have always been an X file case, because that's the stuff that they're going to make a big deal of getting to, because it's a personal issue. But investigate like there should have been more false leads when they actually thought that they were going to find something. Well, that's weird. fine. Yeah, and and I would have been okay with that too. And there were occasions, like I remember there was one with like a serial killer where they're like, "Oh, this guy is definitely, you know, some sort of monster." And then over the course of the episode, it's revealed that it's like, no, the he is a monster. But he's the human kind of monster, you know. At the same time, it's like, there is—you're talking about the one episode with the, the serial killer who, like, yeah, is yeah. a death fetishist. Yeah, I don't even remember and, exactly. But what there it is, was, but, yeah. there is a moment where Scully sees him turn into a devil. Okay, yeah. So, but but there's even still, that, there's still a little like, sliver yeah. of supernatural in right. there. And but, then when he comes back, there's straight up supernatural. Mm-hmm. Oh, he came. He came back. Yeah, he came back. Oh, well, that's too bad. But but I not mean, him. Not him. Another guy. Okay. All right. But to me, like, yeah, I mean, like with the season six thing, it should have been more along the lines of like, let's let's see what happens. Like, like let's do character stuff. Let's see what happens when Mulder and Scully are investigating a case which is not paranormal in nature. Like, that's what I was really hoping for. And they never really did that. And there were plenty of times where they're like, well, we've got this boring case. 
oh, wait a minute, it turns out that this Borton case is actually, uh, you know, involving a uh, rabbit that can talk or Cyborg something. Wendigo. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, I was okay with the things like where they're like bored with their boring cases and Mulder going against orders was like, hey, we've got this boring case, but guess what? There's also a dude over here who can change into a goat. And it's like, well, then let's go look at that. Okay, fine. You know, let's... They, go, they go to investigate the guy who can shift into a goat. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, he turned into a goat. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. There's not really a thing to talk about here. I, 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 was, <laughs> fine, I was fine with that. But, but it seems like inevitably what would happen during the start of season six is they, they go somewhere. It's on a normal case, which they don't want to do. And then it's revealed that there is a supernatural element at play. And it's like, really? That's convenient. That's really freaking convenient. That, that happens sometimes, and and the few times that it does happen, it's usually great. There's the there's the episode where they go into the retreat, and Mulder's just like, "Oh look, a crime scene. Let's leave. Let's not go with these other FBI agents to this team building exercise in the woods. Let's go find out what happened here and deal with that instead." I, I don't remember that episode. You remember that specifically, but. It's oh, been, that's a cool episode. At this point, it's probably been you know like eight or nine years since I watched the entire series. So, well, that's the episode with the predator effect. Okay, so so this is a, a typical episode in the sense that you know structurally, well, for one thing, it's not a comedy, but also it is there. There is a mystery at play, and in fact, there are two. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Mulder and Scully are trying to investigate this mystery now it, it's it actually is not Mulder and Scully it's just Mulder yeah. and that that is kind of a, a weird thing where Scully is basically not in the episode she's off to the side on a stakeout and it's all Mulder doing his thing yes which is an interesting choice I don't know if it was a choice because Gillian Anderson was like I've got to do something I can only shoot one day in one location, you know, this week, or what the deal was, but that's that's what it was. It's it's a Mulder only episode yeah, for all I, intents and purposes. I feel like at some point on the writing staff, every once in a while, somebody brought up how they never investigate normal cases, and their complete lack of um, arrests uh, makes them look kind of like incompetent agents. Maybe they should have some actual <clears throat> normal jobs where they do a good job. <laughs> I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this was a point in the mythology where they had been kicked off of the X-Files. Yes. That, so they the, were that doing one a of the three out. times that happened. Yeah, so, so they were on a stakeout doing their thing, but, you know... Mulder left because well, he Skinner, heard of something cool. No, no, it was actually Skinner called him up and was like, uh, can you check this out? Yeah. And he's like, sure. Because there are big shots involved. Yeah. And, and, and Scully is left doing a stakeout, um, essentially just watching hookers all day. Right. And all night. Yes. For a bunch of days in a row, mm -hmm. trying to find out what's happening to these missing hookers. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's actually kind of amusing. It's kind of a fun sequence. It's fun seeing Scully miserable. Yeah, it, it is fun. And then, you know, they, they, they resolve that mystery as well, which is well, that's in, the, in an amusing fashion. It's the unrelated, it's the unrelated um, revelation that leads Mulder to figuring out the mystery. Mm -hmm. But because Mulder is a decent human, he doesn't say to Scully, you're a genius, and then hang up. Because that's stupid. So Mulder 
goes to investigate this crime, and it is cool in that there is a mystery which needs to be solved. And, you know, just like sort of in, in typical X-Files standalone episode fashion, you know, it, it is like a a detective story where he is solving a crime. Yeah. You know, and and they they have, you know, sort of like the red herring where the direction that is going in for, you know, the majority of the episode is that the murderer is the police deputy or sheriff or whoever he is. And it is then revealed that in fact it is his jealous wife who is committing these these crimes. I don't think that, that was ever intended as I don't think that was actually a red herring. I think that was just No, I think it is because I mean like like if you look the way the way that it's set up, right? You know, I mean He's acting suspicious, and Mulder calls him on it. Right, and Mulder's basically sus- like, but not hey. not suspicious in the way like a TV movie or like 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 fiction sense. He's acting suspicious in the sense that we know as audience members that he's not the killer because that's just boring. Well, per- perhaps it would have been too simple, <laughs> but I mean that was definitely the idea. I mean, like Mulder. Well, thought, that's the lead. Mulder thought he was the killer. You know. But then they they pull a little twist, and it's like, no, it's not him. It's, you know, it's her. Right. But we knew that. I mean, yeah. I mean, depending on how how many X-Files you had seen and how how savvy you are as a viewer. I think we've seen about as many as Mulder's been involved with. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that he actually believed the other guy was guilty. I just think that when you when you've got a mountain of evidence pointing in one direction, you have to respect that that mountain of evidence points that direction. Well, I, that I doesn't think, mean you have to accept it. I think he did believe, but regardless, it yeah. wasn't him. You know, the 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 twist ending is that it's actually the wife who is jealous, the the quiet wife who's off to the side. Yeah, the twist ending is that the the person who had the motive for the murder did the murdering. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, because the way that it's That's set up is the, the way that it's set up is like he. Well, you could say that he had motive too. I mean, the, the way that it goes is basically he's having affairs with women in town, and those yeah. women who he's having affairs with end up dead. Yes, because that makes a lot of sense. But then <laughs> it's revealed that you know. Well, I mean, even you know, like the the one woman was pregnant. You yep. know. And you know, who, who knows if that's that was a motivation for him or whatever? But then it's revealed that it's actually his wife, his yeah. jealous wife, who is killing these, these people. Yeah, it's actually a bit obvious. Yeah, really, which okay. is sort of part of the problem of the episode. So, what did you think about the episode on the whole? Um, this was one of the episodes of the show that I, I am not excited about when I get to, and um, it's it's actually humorous because every time I I, I watch the show from beginning to end, I forget how much I do not like this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see it and I'm like, Chimera, that's the one with the woman. She's like killing people because of the deputy, right? Is it deputy or sheriff? And then like I, I, I get halfway through the episode and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't like this. Yeah, this is one of the episodes which I had no recollection of um, when I uh, was going into it. So I was essentially going into it blind um and i did not really appreciate it that much either i think one of the reasons why i had no recollection of it is because it was very forgettable but it, like the, the the scully stuff is actually really fun i wish that they done more things like that yeah because her little her, her, she's got like a nice little like set she's like looking out at this one little building it's all it's actually all very colorful and if they'd you know sort of done more sort of asides and like little little cases 
the show might feel a lot more organic. Well, you know, I mean, that's the typical, uh, what I like to call the uh, the Muppet Baby Syndrome, you know? Muppet Baby Syndrome? Okay, well, I'm going to explain this here. Where characters mysteriously vanish? No. This is, this is what I'm saying. There, there's I remember this as a kid. There, the Muppet Babies usually would start with a uh, cold open where they were in some sort of fantasy adventure make-believe thing. And right. then, you know, uh, Nanny would come in. And, and, and deliver the uh, inciting incident and then take them on their, their main adventure, whatever that would be. Th- there was a thing which frequently happened. I remember one specific incident, but there, a thing that would frequently happen on this show is whatever it was they were doing, their make-believe thing, was much more interesting than the A story. And I, I remember one in particular where they were playing a post office and that post office was a very well-oiled machine. We're not talking Forest Park post office here. We're talking like Oak Park post office at the very least. So you, so you're saying that you you get excited by a well-run bureaucracy? What I'm saying it, is, it, you're like you're like, wow, look at the way that they handled that staffing problem. What I'm saying is, <laughs> as a kid, the creativity on display, the thing that they were actually, the point that they were trying to get across, which is like. Look, you have a whole world of imagination at your disposal. Mm-hmm. You can turn your couch into a uh, you know a way station for your your truck or, or whatever, a, or a couch on its side. Yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, yeah. it, you you can do all these things and uh, you know have fun and and make believe and stuff like that. And I would be like, as a kid, you know, I want to play post office now. And I'd watch that scene. I'd be like, wow, look at how they did that. Look at how they did that. This is really interesting. And then when I don't even remember what the actual episode was about because I didn't care. Where's the Muppet Babies thread going? The Muppet Babies thread. (laughs) Where I'm going with this is that in this episode, you've got that thing which happens where the B story, um, while very, very small, is really well done. And the A story, which is you know, what it is supporting is really not worth supporting. You could throw that out and what you'd be left with is a five minute episode which is way better than the forty five minute episode um which currently exists. So you're saying that the five minute episode about Scully watching the hookers I'd love to see is more compelling than than Mulder trying to figure out who yeah. killed those people right and it, re- and it turns out to be the person who wanted to kill them. I, I loved. I'd love to see an X Files one shot with Scully and and the hookers. With you know? Scully and the hookers. Yeah. That's a great name for a band. We can call it Scully and the hookers. <laughs> Scully yeah. and the hookers. <laughs> yep. They are coming to your neighborhood on their world tour next year. Uh, I know what you mean. I, I I'm not sure if that would work. I think that as as people as an audience. We, we we become so um, enamored with the characters that at a certain point we don't really care about what they're doing. We just kind of want to hang out with them. Uh, and I know that like by season eight of this show, like they like Scully could have just like stayed home, uh, and I, mean, I would be fine with that. <laughs> I mean that's that's totally true. I mean that's what we see. You know, I mean Next Generation did that with Data's Day. Yes, but there's but at the same time we have also to recognize that that's just not how. TV it's works. not how TV works, and I wish it were how TV worked. Yes. And I would totally be okay with – I mean, I want to see their weekend. The weekend where, where Mulder and Scully – you know, Mulder has tickets to Knott's Berry Farm, and Mulder and Scully go to Knott's Berry Farm. 
Okay, right. Yeah, except for like a place that would actually be fun to watch. Maybe yeah. Yeah, not not that. Uh, oh yeah, was, anything it else just came to mind. Just but like, yeah, I know what you mean because like we we would be okay with that. But I mean, it's not it's not just how not how TV works. It's not how almost anything works. Right. Like, there's no series of novels that has one book where like the characters go to the mall. Well, they do occasionally. Well, I mean, usually, if, if another, usually if another what, book what in takes... that series has dragons in it, there's not going to be a book where they just no, go to the mall. <laughs> but, 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 you know, you do get, like, short stories. I mean, that is kind of what Marvel is doing with the one-shots, where you get, like, yes. the, the Agent Coulson short, where he goes to buy, you know, something from a gas station and ends up taking out some, some bank or some gas station robbers. But Some gas station robbers. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you do have that, like, in short stories, too. I mean, Quantum of Solace. The book, it's not a book, it's a sh- short story, which I think yeah. appeared in like Playboy magazine or something like that, where it's about like James Bond goes to a dinner and describes the perfect moment to the people who he's eating dinner with. Right. You know, I mean, it's like, so you do get those things. But you're never going to get them as the not, thing Not as a, an episode. You're never going to get yeah. the main course being. I mean, Data's Day is the closest thing. But Data's Day is also. It still has that other. It little, has that little, conflict, little which is just grafted on there, in which they said like we need to throw this in, but it's just which is unfortunate because that that episode would be better if it didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. But that's just the way that it works. Mm-hmm. I I do have a great affection for people who are willing to essentially um, undercut their format, undercut the, the the overall structure of the thing, in order to do something more real yeah. more expansive and i've said you know like i always felt that alien 3 should have been a courtroom drama because yeah. there are two movies about um you know like corporate abuses and uh, a courtroom drama seems like a completely reasonable place to go there and also why doesn't that ever happen why isn't like an episode in a series ever a different genre yeah. it seems reasonable that that would happen especially considering that you know we're following characters more than anything else I mean, at some point in every person's life, like they're dealing with a courtroom drama or a relationship drama or like a sitcom type scenario where the boss is coming over for dinner. Why can't like these series embrace these weird things? And this episode does have a little bit of that. And I want them to turn the camera that way because I do want there to be an episode where they don't go anywhere. And X-Files was a show that came much closer to doing that than almost any other show. Yeah, and like we talked about with, you know, well, Bad Blood in particular, it was willing to sort of try to break free of its, of, of at least the conventions of its genre, even if it wasn't leaving the genre itself. Yeah, and it, and it, did, it did play with its form. It did try to find other, other rhythms. And, and some of those, like, deviations were actually really fantastic. One of the best episodes, the, uh, the Cigarette Smoking Man... Essentially, the biopic episode. Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. It's an amazing episode. Absolutely amazing episode. Yeah. Also, basically, nobody of the main cast is in it for more than 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of voices. Tons of voices. Yeah. You don't see much. Yeah. Fantastic episode. Directed also, by James Wong. Also has a humongous casting problem for when another character shows up. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? So... Looking at this episode and how it is, like we were saying, uh, much more typical an episode than than most. How do you think more typical than most episodes? Yeah, or, or much <laughs> much more typical than any of the other episodes that Cliff Bull directed. Yes. What do you uh, see in terms of Bull's contribution to this? 
Um, I don't know, actually. That's sort of that's sort of part of the problem of talking about it because I don't. I actually don't see a lot of brilliance in this episode, and and like there are, there are things that like really shouldn't work that do work, and I think that that might be the actors mm-hmm. being able to sort of like make things a little bit more lively than they should be. Um, there's certainly a sense that Gillian Anderson is making the Scully scenes work. Yeah. And and some of the supporting characters in this episode in the main storyline are really great actors that are able to sell some really bizarre stuff. And, uh, and it's very impressive. But I kind of feel like nobody really knew exactly what they were going for with this episode. It's, I mean, it is the type of thing where I think unlike uh, Bad Blood or, or um, Small Potatoes, Bowl doesn't really have a chance to shine here. I mean, if anything, I, I think it's kind of a, a, a testament to his ability to adapt to whatever show that he's on and, you know, make an episode of that show. This well, episode doesn't stand out from any other episode of The X-Files and... Uh, Maybe that's, uh, you know, I mean, it, it it shouldn't. But, I mean, like, it, well, in terms it, of the writing, it doesn't either. It actually, I mean, like, in a way it kind of does, but in, like, a bad way. Mm-hmm. Because the, the like, the um, the ambiguity that we have about whether or not, like, there's a supernatural element involved, uh-huh. that really shouldn't be there. Like, it, there, it should not be this fuzzy. Because at the end of this episode, we have a woman who killed some people because, you know, her, her husband was cheating on her. And... She did it because of that, and we're not entirely sure exactly how or why, and some of the clues don't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Some of the clues, some of the commonalities don't really fit in with that narrative. So, like, suddenly we're we're faced with a, a basically a, a classic, you know, drama motive for murder, and an explanation that is kind of not particularly exciting, and a mystery that was solved by going, oh, I bet it was the person who wanted to kill people who did it. Like, it, essentially everything falls apart at the end because it's all exactly what you should have expected. And if you wanted to watch a show where you thought that way, you wouldn't be watching a show that has aliens in it. Yeah. So, you're. I mean, I felt like this is sort of a weird episode because they've, I mean, like, I believe that they have cases that don't have supernatural elements. I want to believe but I'm not particularly interested in watching those. Mm-hmm. But if they do one of those, I want it to be fun. Yeah. And Scully's little non-supernatural episode seemed like fun. Yeah. She got to sit around in a small room and eat pizza. That seems much more fun than Mulder's, oh, this woman killed some people because she was heartbroken. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky because this episode you know the script that he was given for this episode isn't a standout you know and and because of that uh you know just kind of like with an actor where you know i mean we've talked about this elsewhere but it's like if an actor is given a crappy script they're going to turn in a crappy performance because you know motivation isn't going to be there you know it's it's tricky it's hard to to act well when um you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that that's kind of a a similar scenario here in that it's like, 
this is a very paint-by-numbers episode of The X-Files from a from a writing standpoint, and therefore yeah. the direction is also very paint-by-numbers. Yeah, it, it's just, I mean, it, it's, it's a classic problem in all fiction media. It's uh, when, you, when you don't have a thing that is inspiring, it's not going to be very inspired. Right. And, you know, it's not like he did anything wrong with it. He did a perfectly serviceable job, but he didn't do anything here, which uh, is a standout either. Yeah. Also, at the same time, like there is there is an alternate version of this. Once once you once you watch this episode, imagine if if they had done it the way they could have, and that they don't recognize the alternative theories and the weird thing that Mulder brings to the table, where he looks for a weirder thing. And if if Mulder didn't have his weird little like uh, digressions into like you know uh, like weird mythologies. Mm-hmm. This episode would really be a bunch of people standing around looking for a killer who is incredibly obvious. Yeah. Without that weird like with Mulder essentially being a terrible agent in this episode. He's he's letting his imagination control him and he's looking for something that isn't there and he's being stupid about it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of embarrassing, which is an interesting thing because if you didn't do this well, this episode would be incredibly irritating. It would be infuriating that like you're, they're not doing the reasonable thing. Yeah, as it stands, it's just kind of boring. Yeah, it could have been epically terrible. All right, well, any final thoughts on Chimera? Chimera is a mythical creature, and the name of this episode being Chimera makes it seem like it's going to be a really cool thing. And then it isn't, which is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that it is it is kind of uh, a, basically a nothing episode. This is this to me is what I think of when I think of the monster of the week idea. And and I know that there are some people who are like, ah, oh, the mythology stuff, you know, is fine or whatever. But you know, the monster of the week episodes are the ones that I really love. I do not like monster of the week episodes as a rule on the X-Files. I, you know, I'm always surprised when one stands above and becomes something which is, you know, very, very exciting. But on the whole, episodes like this are the episodes which I dread and the ones where I just am sort of like fighting through to get to the mythology-based stuff or the comedy episodes or whatever. So this to me is kind of the X-Files at its most typical and at its worst in a sense. You know, the, the the thing about the X-Files is when they do something different, it stands out and becomes excellent. But when yeah. they're doing their standard operating procedure, it's kind of just boring. I, you know, I know what you're saying, and I get that with some things. But the uh, the mythology episodes, as the show went on, got less and less interesting. Mm-hmm. And when, 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 like, when the mythology episodes were, were signaled at some point by a character with eyes sewn shut and a mouth sewn shut uh-huh. and his nose sewn shut. When those characters started showing up, uh, the mythology became a lot less interesting because they showed up all the time. They would show up, someone would be driving a car, someone would have a flashlight, someone would get stabbed in the neck, and then someone would dissolve on the floor. And like it was, it was the same thing every time. And all we got out of it was, those guys want to stop these guys. And those these guys are trying to do this thing and it's all a bunch of nonsense and the long and short of it is uh, we just need people to get killed off screen 
Well, maybe. I mean, you know, I think it kind of lost its way, you know, about halfway through. But, um, you know, generally speaking, that's that's my thought on it. Yeah, the the episodes where you get to see essentially Mulder and Scully working together became very interesting. And that, yeah. as the episodes as the series went on, those episodes became the best. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 dog at Reyes episodes those were those were always the strongest ones. The Mouse for the Week thing is always better for those moments, with like incredibly small number of exceptions. Mm-hmm. There's an incredibly small number of episodes that are really, really great on every level, and also mythology episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, that was fun talking about Chimera today, but that's not the only thing we're talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Where no man has gone before a comic versus episode. They talk about how we just picked up this psychiatrist from uh, from Alderbon. Alder shoot Alderon. This is called Alderon. Earl Grey. All good things. In a universe where Troy is dead, the Enterprise D lives on. Is all <laughs> I want to say. It's the only thing that matters. The Ready Room. Defense. Ducat recorded messages, obviously, for a lot of different um, scenarios. Isn't it funny <laughs> to think of him, like, you know, whatever, 10 years before this episode, yeah. like, you know, putting a day aside. It's like, I have to do, I have to sit in front of a camera <laughs> and just think of ways they could screw us. The orb. Till death do us part. His are, are, are very quizzical in nature. They, they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who who is willing to accept, okay, where what is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, tell me what to do right now. You know, like, she, right. She, there's nothing spiritual about her. To the journey! Voyager Season 4 Marathon. I was working full-time on top of being a full-time student, and I... Listen, I don't, I don't want to hear your excuses, okay? I don't want to hear them. <laughs> like, life was happening, and... A great man once told me, if something's important to you, you make the time. Warp 5. Organians on Enterprise. Part of what this episode of Enterprise is about for me is it's the search for the Organian society to to find compassion again. Commentary, Trek stars. Griff Bull and the X-Files, Bad Blood. It's actually kind of odd because the audience can piece together the narrative flow better than, you know, their boss. That's because their boss didn't have the, uh, the brilliant direction of Cliff Bull to uh, observe. Literary Treks. Greg Cox, no time like the past. One thing I had to be very careful of, and this was another sort of potential minefield that I had to navigate, was nobody in Kirk's time knows who the Borg are. So she can't like, oh, hi, I'm seven of nine. I'm a former Borg. You know, they don't know the Borg. She has to be careful not to tell them the Borg. And introducing Continuing Mission, our newest show all about fan series and independent productions. Star Trek continues with Don Drexler. Everybody who does a Star Trek show in CG, the first thing they do is make the ship 947 feet long. Well, there's no way it's going to look the same because the ship that they shot on television wasn't 2,000 feet long. It was 11 feet long. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. We have new shows for you every day, and you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. So so there's a lot of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation books on audible.com. Of course, Cliff Bowl directed more Star Trek Next Generation than anyone else, so I, I, I figured I'd pull one out here to give people an idea of uh, what they can get for free since they are listeners to trek.fm. Um, today's... Star Trek The Next Generation Adventure is The Devil's Heart, written by Carmen Carter. It's narrated by Gates McFadden. It's got a picture on it of, uh, um, it looks like a Romulan maybe, and then there's an Enterprise, and then there's some dude, and then like a Klingon, and then um, Captain Picard holding what looks like a heart, presumably from a devil. Well, so is that like Fekla or something? I don't know. Uh, But here's the description. The Devil's Heart is a legendary object of unsurpassed power and mystery. Worlds that believe in magic consider it darkness's mightiest talisman, and worlds of science consider it a lost artifact of some ancient and forgotten race. Some say the heart enables its possessor to control people's minds and to amass wealth enough for a dozen lifetimes, while others think it capable of raising the dead perhaps even changing the flow of time itself. But to all, the location of this fabled object has remained a mystery. Until now. Oh my god. It's like the Omega-13. Yeah. So, um, you know, this you can get this book on Audible for free, since you're a listener. Yeah. Uh, Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you have yet to read or the latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm. And sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting commentary, Trek Stars, and trek.fm. As always, you can find us on trek.fm where we do this show. And I also do Standard Orbit with Drew. And you can find us on commentarytrackstars.com where we do commentary track stars off topic. And you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Yes, you can. These are all good ideas. Yes. Send us some feedback because, you know, like, even if even if you, you don't have anything to say to us, just send us a tweet. Send us a blank email. Or a blank email or just a message <laughs> that says, hello, I listened to your show. You don't have to do it in that unbelievably creepy serial killer robot voice that Mike just did. You can do it in a normal voice. Yeah, but even that will just make our day. So. Yeah. Okay, that's it for Chimera. We will be back next week with Cliff Bull's final X-Files episode, Jump the Shark. <laughs> <laughs>